Coming up this week on the Course of Life podcast, our front nine begins with a historic, monumentally amazing win on the PGA Tour from an extremely young winner, plus a familiar face in the winner's circle at the LPGA in Orlando, which is where we are headed this week. That's right. It's PGA Show Week right now as you're listening to this. We tackle all our plans, everything we got up our sleeves for what's to be a fun week of content indeed in Orlando. And this week's guest, one of the newest members of the LPGA Tour. She's a rookie out there, but she's got a lot of fun stories uh, and a lot of good college memories as well. It's Gurleen Core. Get to know that name because you're going to see a lot from her on future leaderboards. And when we always end with food, we're talking about pizza on a diet and life after going viral. And all of it brought to you by our friends at Desert Fox Golf. If you're listening to this because you're at the show or you're hearing about us for the first time at the PGA show, you've seen Desert Fox's booth there. They're there every year. They're our friends of the show and they're our lifelong podcast long sponsors. Not only do they create the phone caddy, which is the best phone holder in golf, period. They also create great products like the Swing Aid Tumblers, the towels, the cigar holders, and many more to come. New products on the way from Desert Fox Golf. They're great not only for individual golfers, you can check them out on their website, desertfoxgolf.com. But if you've got an event and you want Desert Fox Golf swag at your event, hit us up on Instagram and we could hook you up with a cash referral just for sending us the event information. That's right, cash for you just for telling us to put awesome Desert Fox Golf products at your next golf event. Again, Instagram message us at COL Podcast um, or Course of Life Alex and uh, shout out to our friends at Desert Fox Golf and PGA Show Week. interwebs and welcome to course of life we are proud to be presented by our friends at desert fox golf and the live take app i'm michael he's alex and alex let's tee off with the big breaking news out of sunday that is 20 year old nick dunlap becoming just the fifth amateur since 1940 to win on the pga tour wow. he takes the 2024 the american express a field that was loaded with talent and he just soared to victory including a 60 during the third round on saturday Nuts. he was able to hold it together for a 70 and win by uh one stroke over yep. christian bozoidenhoit uh w- w- wow Unbelievable stuff and a a crazy headline that none of us had in any of our bingo cards. That's for sure. (laughs) We were all focused on PGA versus live and what star will do what and who's going to win the majors. No one was talking about just some random breakout star, a freaking sophomore in college at the University of Alabama, stunning and creating history like this, an amateur winning on the PGA Tour in 2024, something absolutely no golf fan had in their brain at any point leading up to the season. No, and and maybe we should have thought that Dunlap was going to maybe do something here. I mean, he actually has... Uh, he won the 2023 U.S. Amateur, so he already is in the Masters, the Open, uh, yeah. and the U.S. Open. So we we already know he's a very good player. Um, will he go pro now? We don't know. That's, There's a I lot guess, of decisions. Yeah, 
that's an interesting question from here. So basically, you know, he is now a member of the PGA Tour. And, and he can just keep it that way as an amateur. I believe because of some sort of exemption rules, I don't know if he can get into any more than like 12 events for the rest of the season. But regardless, because of him being a winner, he gets into all the big ones. So yeah. he's immediately put into a plateau of golfers that is very unheard of for a 20-year-old amateur. If he were to go ahead and tomorrow become a member and go pro, he gets... Everything that comes with being a winner on the PGA Tour, he gets his card until through the 2026 season. Uh, He gets into the signature events this year. He gets into the majors this year. Um, If he were to lose, and that's only because he won the American Express, though, because he would lose everything as being an amateur and a winner of the U.S. amateur if he were to go pro. So oh, there, yes. Those there's things, like yeah. this give and take, but because he just won the American Express, he kind of there's really no reason not to go pro at this point. Yeah, the MX win kind of cancels out a lot of the negatives, yeah. it sounds yeah. like. It, it kind of evens the playing field out for him. A great problem to have regardless, but it this is. was something because what always happens in these scenarios, Mike, is the amateur contends in an event. Yep. You know, you see him on the leaderboard. The thought comes to mind, wow, no one's done it since freaking Phil Mickelson in in 1991. That was the last big amateur to win on the PGA Tour to my memory. And, you know, usually they fall off on Saturday or Sunday early gets the better of him. Even hit in the the water on the seventh hole on Sunday and still bounce back in marvelous form to get the win done. It was very much in doubt all Sunday, but he cruised when he needed to on the last couple holes. Clutch par save. He, he's in history forever. Nick Dunlop, get get that yep. name on your radar big time. <laughs> so he is the fifth amateur to win on a PGA Tour since 1940. You said Phil Mickelson. He was the last one to do it at the 1991 Northern Telecom yeah, Open. Yeah, Tucson. Now, three other guys have done it since 1940. Okay. Can you name at least one of them? Oh, God, I was scared you're going to ask me something <laughs> like this. Um, I'm going to need a hint. I'm trying to think of who was a preeminent am- amateur in like the seventies uh, okay. or eighties. I'm well, trying to well, think. I, I'm going to, which, which I'll give you the, the hint will be these guys. So each of these guys won one of these events, mm, <laughs> the 1954 yeah, San Diego open. Okay. I'm probably out amateur. on that one. All right. The 1956 Canadian open was okay. won by an amateur oh. and the 1985 Western open. Was five Western Open? Is that like Lee Jansen or something like that? No, no. Who was that? Who was the? Who was the eighty-five Western Open 80, champion? That was the amateur to win. Was Scott Verplank? Oh yes, yeah, that's the guy Plank. I would think you could get off this list. Yeah, that was a good one. Oh, good stuff. So five so, guys. Who, who were the other two random so old timey names? That I don't know. Who's the Canadian? The fifty-six Canadian Open was won by Doug Sanders, and the yep, fifty-four the San Diego okay. Open was Gene Littler. Oh, Gene Littler. Wow. Another another throwback name. Fun fact, I walked 18 holes with Gene Littler as a little kid. Oh. Uh, he was playing alongside Arnold Palmer at the Champions Tour event that I used to work at usually, as a kid. Usually that story is, I walked 18 holes with Arnold Palmer, is the way you yep. tell it, not Both Gene Littler. So. Exactly. Both of them in the same group. <laughs> what a life. I, I, a crazy life I lead. But regardless, good little nugget there. So yeah, five amateurs have got it done. Nick Dunlop becomes the fifth amateur to win on the PGA Tour at 20 years old. Stunning stuff. Crazy crazy the uh lpga tour kicked off their season with the hilton grand vacations tournament of champions in orlando that's a mouthful as all their tournaments are and yep. uh here's a name we really didn't hear from at all last year lydia ko wins the season open her she had no wins last year a horrible season she wins by two she becomes the 
uh, seventh woman to win 20 LPGA events before turning 27. She is one point away from the LPGA Hall of Fame. That's absurd. First of all, we have this conversation every time Lydia Ko wins where yep. she's what? So she's 26 years old. It yep. feels like she's been on tour for her entire lives mm-hmm. yep. <laughs> because she turned pro so freaking young and she's been a phenom ever since. Little lull in the middle of her career, but she's resurged in a big way. So that's awesome to see her get the W. And the fact that she's on the precipice of the Hall of Fame, like, She's 26 years old, and she's yeah. on the precipice of being Hall of Fame eligible. That's that's how you can tell how impressive of a career she's already racked up. It's, it's pretty crazy. So I'm going to go ahead and say it. This is the year of Lydia Ko. She's going to win another major or two. It's going to be great. Yeah, it was it was fun to watch the action, and Lydia Ko just dominated. I saw Gemma Dryberg on the leaderboard, past guest on the show. She's always up there with high finishes. One thought for, for Golf Channel and NBC, would have loved to have seen a little bit more of the celebrities in action. There's a great celebrity field mm. there. We had Alfonso Ribeiro, a.k.a. Carlton there. Our friends, Wells Adams, Robbie Amell, Kevin Millar, all played like we mentioned last week. Didn't get too many celebrity shots on camera, though, so hopefully they uh, they show more next time around. The DP World Tour was uh, still in Dubai. They were. Rory McIlroy made up for last week and not winning last week. He's got a W now under his belt in Dubai, winning uh, at the Hero Dubai Desert Classic, defending his title. So he's he's a second place finish and a first place finish in two weeks on the DP World Tour. Will Rory McIlroy win a major on the PGA Tour this year? And that's what it is, sadly, that's 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 got all the Twitter trolls, you know, yeah. have heavy on their arsenal is until that happens and he breaks that barrier down again. It's just easy to kind of pick and poke on him. His career is amazing. The guy is finishing high consistently and he's racking up the trophies, but he's just, you know, doing it at these onesie twosie events and he and he hasn't won on a big stage. The guy hasn't won a major in, in several years. So it's yeah. it, it, that's the question is, is can he get over the hump and do it? This year, you would like to think so, but it just, you know, what what, what makes us think that he's, he's come up short in the biggest moments and he seems to rack up the wins here on DP he, World Tour and one-off PGA events lately. You know, he comes up short in the biggest moments, but he wins the FedEx Cup instead of winning the majors. He right. wins the yeah. DP World Tour title, whatever it is, the race to Dubai instead of the majors. So he keeps Always doing Always good this, to so win in Dubai and in the FedEx Cup. That, that's never here, hurt in the bank account. That's for that's sure. That's true. Here, here's the other question, though. Who do you think has a better chance of winning a major on the PGA Tour this season? Roy McIlroy or Tommy Fleetwood? Hmm. I would say Rory is definitely the favorite in that head-to-head bet. So you would be picking Fleetwood as the underdog in that head-to-head of who could win the major. Uh, But in terms of play, Fleetwood's up there, and he can contend for sure. He's shown the ability to contend but has not gotten over the top. Hit some amazing driver off the decks and three woods in Dubai this past week too, yeah. which are just silly if you haven't seen those highlights yet. So yeah, watch out for Fleetwood as well. I'd probably go with Fleetwood to be honest. All right, let's uh, talk about what's going on this week. We're recording on a Sunday evening because on Monday we have to pack because on Tuesday we'll be in Orlando for the PGA Merchandise Show. It's the biggest week in golf merchandise Oh, yeah. Everyone's the Super Bowl be there, of golf business. Ourselves. That's what we're going with. Yeah. Super Bowl of golf business. And uh, we'll be there uh, shaking hands and kissing babies, as you said last week. So I'm, I'm making sure I pack my chapstick just for that. 
That's right. Uh, right now, the madness is going on as people listen. We're perusing around the show floor, probably walking right by you as you're listening to the podcast, maybe if you're in Orlando. Uh, but I'll start with the demo day on Tuesday. Check out COL Podcast on Instagram, uh, Course of Life One on Twitter. We're both on threads as well, too. Course of Life Alex, MWRINC. Those are all the handles you could ask for to find us on social. We'll be posting all week long from the show. And then Wednesday and Thursday, Mike, it's a little bit of a mix for us. I'm going to be I'm going to be running you around left and right, going from brand to brand to brand, just showcasing what's cool and the awesome new golf stuff, and showcasing what's awesome about the game. But we're also lining up some 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 grade A interviews on the show floor too. So it's going to be a little mix of uh, interview content and uh, and on the spot brand product content as well too. I'm I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be fun. Be I do fun know sure. that we're going to have some pretty cool golf carts. That we're going to yes. have in an upcoming video. That's one tease I'll give you. We're obviously hitting the merch brands. We're obviously grabbing as many free things as we can, Mike. Um, whenever someone offers you something, the answer is yes. And I'll, I'll take one more if you got one in the back, too. That, that's that's the in, response we're going with all week. In fact, I don't know if you saw the email that came from the PGA show this week, but there's a virtual swag bag that they will be giving everyone. There is. So yes, there is. Be, I'm interested to see what will be in there. There are things worth redeeming in there. I'll just tell you that. Um, but yeah, check all, all the content out from show week. And I think by the end of this week, I'll try and get a YouTube video up um, just with a quick, quick little recap. We'll get some more thorough content up there in the weeks to come. Uh, but follow us on show, social for all things PGA show for the next few weeks, a uh, few days from Orlando. Also on our YouTube channels this week, live right now is your round at a exclusive private very hilly course i'll say in the hill country it made me think you were playing in new england uh except not as much not as many trees maybe but it reminded me of when i played green mountain national in vermont just non-stop hills up and down every hole which is absurd because it's 10 minutes from my front door and you know where my place is and 15 minutes from downtown Austin. It's like right in the heat, the heart of everything. This course was built uh, into the, the, the architecture of the hill country in Austin 50 years ago. The housing communities around it followed and it made for a spectacular video. So I'll let you find out about the course itself by going to our YouTube. Check out Course Life Podcast on YouTube. Uh, the link you can find in my bio on Instagram as well too. And I had an interesting highlight that, that really wasn't even part of my 18-hole scorecard, a, a two-putt for the ages that, that has to be watched with your own eyes. I couldn't believe I did it either, to be honest. It's, it, was, it was pretty epic. It was pretty epic. We'll just say it, um, it was downhill and to the left. Yes, that, that's for sure. Yeah, <laughs> quite, quite the yardage, too. Quite the yardage. Good stuff. The PGA Tour stays in California. They head to Torrey Pines for the Farmers Insurance Open. Uh, always, always great to see them in San Diego at Torrey Pines. Oh, yeah. The South Course obviously brings up memories of Tiger Woods winning the U.S. Open on one leg. You can't forget that one. That's an all-timer. Yep. Uh, and we love the Farmers Insurance Open. This is my reminder, too. If you haven't heard our past podcast with Alyssa Kesar, uh, be sure to follow her at New Lady Golfer. She's the event host, literally, for the Farmers. So she posts awesome content all week. She gets the best interviews. She shows you all behind-the-scenes stuff regarding the event and how it runs there at Torian. You get the paragliders uh, off the 18th mm -hmm. hole, Mike, off the cliffs there in San Diego. It, it's beautiful scenery. It's a beautiful classic course. Uh, should bring a really great field as well, too. 
All right, let's get into the turn in this week's guest. Uh, you know, we we do love talking about the LPGA. Of course, Lydia Ko will probably be a mainstay once again on tour. And there's a new fresh face coming out on tour that you were able to talk to with Texas Roots. And, uh, and, and that's who I think is going to get a big W this season. Yeah, this is interesting. I, 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 I'm, I'm going to be a little shady and a little mysterious with this, but we, we now basically have the pipeline to the future of the LPGA Tour like coming on this podcast. I'm not going to explain my ways. They're quite magical. They're not very magical, but I'm going to sell them as quite magical. Um, but we got the future stars here on Course of Life, um, and this is a name that you may not have seen yet, not quite on your radar, uh, but she just made it through the LPGA Q Series, which is basically their Q School. She dominated on the mini tours, rising right through Epson Tour to the LPGA Tour now as a rookie. So, so get used to this name and a great conversation coming your way with Gurleen Core. That's right. We'll have that conversation in just a moment. But first, let's talk to you about the Live Take app. This is where sports debates are solved once and for all, thanks to the random, uh, uncompassionate, uh, um, mindless internet trolls. I love them. Let simply want to tell you that you're wrong yes especially if you're me and we say this a lot i lose so many times to you on our live takes alex that we do every week on the app i i I don't know i i feel like i i I just don't i think i could just sit there and i could offer people a hundred dollars and i still would lose so the secret is, Mike, I am one of those trolls that you speak of. So, so I'm, I'm allied with the live take community, and, and, and they love my takes. They love some of yours, uh, but you can check it out for yourself on the app where, where we debate weekly. Uh, always a fun time. Five-minute hot takes. We keep it simple, straight to the point. Golf, sports, pop culture, anything that's going on, we cover it on the live take app. That's right. You can find us there. COL Podcast, Alex. COL Podcast, Michael. It's live take. Challenge us. Drop your own takes. Challenge your friends as well on there and let the internet decide. Live take. Download it in your app store today and let your take be heard. Next up on the tee, she's one of the newest members of the LPGA Tour after a top five finish in their Q Series. She's just about to start her first full year on tour. It's Gurleen Core joining us on the Course of Life. Gurleen, how are you doing today? Hey, Alex. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm really good. You know, just you know, excited to get the season started and just been practicing. So yeah, not much going on other than that. Yeah, fresh off the golf course. We'll get into where you played uh, earlier today, but you're in Texas like I am. I'm in Austin. Uh, you spent your college days right up the road in Waco playing for Baylor. I'm curious, think about like day one freshman year when you got on campus at Baylor versus leaving. Like how much development did you have, not only like as a person, but with your golf game? Oh my God. So scary day one going to school. Like also because I went in a semester early, I was supposed to. Um, be a senior whenever I went into school so I was still like 17 like supposed to be a senior Um, we had I think like one player transfer when I was like in my um, junior not my junior my my like beginning of senior year so my coach was like hey like would you be willing to graduate early and come and I was like sure and then I felt like it was a great decision at the time and then when I uh, you know when in January one or two like when I had to go like start moving into my dorm I was like 
this is really scary. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it was a great experience. Like my freshman year, um, you know, we made it to nationals and uh, we actually were in a playoff against the one that ended up winning Arizona. So that was really just a really cool experience. But yeah, like the development, I would say, like, I remember, I still remember nationals, like, you know, that final day that I was playing, my team didn't play that great. So I actually ended up playing as an individual. And it was just really special because like my coach walked with me for 18 holes and they all came to watch. So it was like a nice finishing, you know, it, it wasn't like, oh, like I felt like my career had come to like a halt or anything, you know, it was just a good finish and a good way to like, you know, just leave with a good note. But it was definitely, um, you know, playing for, I played for four and a half years. So I got my COVID year. It was just a great like stepping stone, I feel like for the next, for the next level. So I, I, I do miss, you know, the team aspect and everything, but yeah, I mean, it was just a great experience. Very cool. Yeah. And I'm always curious as, a, as, as it pertains to Waco specifically, I'm here in Austin and I've, I've gone up there. I've done the cliche uh, Magnolia trip like everyone else has who's in Texas. I've been in the new Top Golf there, but I'm, I'm curious just like day to day, week to week, month to month. What, what was the actual college experience like going to Baylor there? Um, honestly, great because I felt like, you know, for me, um, there was limited distractions, you know, like mm, yeah. I, I'll, I didn't really do much besides go to the golf course, hang out with, you know, some of the girls on my team, um, you know, like eat at basically some of the same places and you just get really familiar with like, you know, everyone around you. And there, there's, there's not a whole lot to do besides, you know, the, the Magnolia, the, and the top golf wasn't even there when I was at school. So yeah, well, it was built my, I think it was built my senior year and we, we, we never went. So, because like, I mean, if I'm, it's a day off, like I'm taking a day off. I don't really want to go to top golf, you know, I'm like, yeah, I can go to top golf anytime, but like, um, I just, I really enjoyed it. And I actually hated the idea of going to Waco at first only because there was nothing to do, but it's honestly a blessing in disguise when you have like so much going on with, with school and golf, it's nice to just be able to like not do much you know you just you don't have a lot going on so yeah i like the way you said limited distractions definitely helps you lock in and and, and hone and build your game so that was definitely important for you throughout your career and then fast forwarding to to the the reality check that is turning pro which you've definitely learned about so like this time last year you know you didn't really have much status because because of the Q series and how difficult it can be. I'm I'm curious kind of what that taught you, you know, coming off of such a successful college career and kind of, you know, having to start at a square one again for your professional career. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with you for a reality check. Like you you come out of college thinking that you're, you know, on top of the world, but really like it's like a fresh slate all over again because, you know, golf is like, okay, you did great in your amateur career now you got to really start all over when it comes to college. Um, Yeah. You know, I just feel really, really, you know, blessed to be in this position of having really good status going into the LPGA. Um, Yeah. Like I had basically no status last year um, at this time. And I really just tried to like keep my expectations low for the year. Like my only goal for 2023 was to be able to like play well in Q school. Like I played really, really just like, you know, really nervous during first stage in 2022. That's never fun. I actually had, I actually, I had COVID like a couple weeks before. So my game was just really rusty and I didn't feel great. So it was just like a combination of like rust and nerves and, you know, just, yeah, stage one, I was like, wow, okay, well, you know, I got to start all over. And it almost felt like, you know, 
was devastating that I didn't have any status, but honestly, it just taught me to like be able to start start from you know zero and then make my way up from there. So definitely, yeah, and it's been pretty meteoric, and I'm, I'm impressed to kind of cross sports and give a little bit of a baseball reference to our sports fans out there. In terms of the minor leagues and women's professional golf, you know, you got from the women's All Pro Tour, which I would kind of call Double A, and you got your opportunity at Triple A in the Epson Tour and made the most of your start. So the the real easy question is what's been working to to kind of help this meteoric rise here in the last you know six months um i would say i've just been really consistent like with my mentality going into events and then like just really trying to hone in on you know not being so aggressive and just playing golf like really not focusing on anything except for like okay like i'm here at this tournament my goal is to play as well as i can if I miss the cut, it's going to be fine. If I win the tournament, it's going to be fine. Like it's not the end of, it's not life or death really. If I play well, if I don't play well. So I've really, and I've really tried to, especially once I graduated college, like just trying to find other things that like, you know, interested me and like distract me from like pressure. I just try not to really so hone in on the pressure of things, which I think is going to be really key for me going into LPJ too. Like, you know, a couple hmm. missed cuts. It's not going to be like the end of the world or anything. Oh, like, yeah. um, but like really just, um, you know, I feel like I'm pretty accurate off the tee and I'm a great um, putter and, you know, really honing in on my wedge games and stuff from the last year. So yeah, just kind of those combination of things. I like it how you say you're a great putter because a lot of people will say they're a good putter, but I like the way you said great emphasis on that. Definitely the most important part of the game for sure. Let's talk a little bit about the Q series itself for people who don't understand exactly how that works. Break down kind of the Q series and and, and what a grind that is to to get through it with the status that you had. How, what were kind of the, mo- the most difficult or, or moments filled with adversity throughout the Q series for you? Yeah. Um, so Q series, you basically have to make top 45 to get status. And I think the field this year was maybe 110, 120. And I mean, it's arguably the the toughest tournament of the year. Um, like, I don't think it got above, well, t- one of the days it was maybe 65, 70, but the rest, the average was at least 55 to 60. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, yeah. So it was cold and it we got rained out um, one of the days because it was raining so much. Like the golf course um, was almost like a sloppy mess after the, I think it was the third day. I'm, I'm forgetting now because it was six rounds. So There's a so lot of days and a lot of rounds. So it's easy to confuse golf. them all, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so six rounds. So one of the days got canceled because it was raining so much. And I mean, we played lift clean in place because it was just so wet. So that was one of the biggest things also. I feel like, you know, just having to navigate the conditions and like the weather and everything. But um, yeah, my goal was just to really play as well as I could. And then um, like not even just even get ahead of myself till the very last day that I made the last putt, you know, like not really, I'm not a leaderboard watcher. So I never really knew what place I was in. But like, I just, I just really tried to tell my coach, like, we're going to try and play as best as I can, because like the higher you finish, the more events you will kind of get into, because it's all based on your, your previous, your, I mean, not previous, your, your status for that tournament you know like um, a lot of events that like since I finished like fifth like I'll probably get into a little bit more events than the person who finished like 25th to, to 45th so it's it's quite an advantage I would say that I played as well as I could the last day so 
Definitely. Yeah. Great to see and great to hear. You're going to give yourself that opportunity right off the bat for your rookie season. Uh, So people have talked about it and shown it on social media, but this LPGA travel schedule, Gerline, it's for real. I'm sure you've seen the plane flying all around for every stop that's coming up this year, (laughs) but I'm curious um, what's maybe a a favorite early tour stop in the next couple months that you, you might be looking forward to playing here in your rookie season. So I'll find out within the next week if I go to China or not, but I would say that's the one I'm really looking forward to if I get in. But besides that one, I would say Palos Verdes because I play that tournament three, like my freshman, sophomore and junior year. And I love going out there. I mean, it's so beautiful. The golf course is so much fun. So it's just really familiar. And I think like LA is just so much fun too. So I'm looking forward to that one, but there's um, quite a few that like I haven't really been to. Um, like, but I went to go play Bradenton country club. Like that one was nice. It was just, you know, Florida, pretty straightforward. Um, and then obviously Chevron, if I got into that one, that one would be like amazing to play in my home, home city, you know, almost, you know, like not home club, but at the same time, like I just, I know that area so well, so that would be amazing too. And then they have the, the shadow Creek. That would be great too. I just have to play well enough to get into it. So you know, there's a lot of cool places that I could definitely go to, but no Hawaii in the beginning of the season, which is different than normal. But that was mm. one I was looking forward to, but that will be in November. So Okay, cool. Yeah, there are a lot of different cities you mentioned there. And you hinted at Chevron, which is in the woodlands. I got to go there earlier this year uh, and do some content interviews there. You said you said that you just got off the course at Carlton Woods, where where it's hosted, and that, that's pretty local to you. So I guess what kind of in your head, what do you think it's generally going to take for you to make sure you're playing in events like that and the, and the other majors the rest of the season? Yeah, I mean, nothing really dramatic. I, I feel like I need to change about my game. Like, I just really need to play well as I can and um, just go into every event with a good mindset and stuff and just kind of adjust based on the conditions and everything but um, like playing yeah like so I played it just you know I just finished earlier Um, the course is playing a little different I would say um, they change a lot of the bunkering which is good because actually like the bunkers are really nice to hit out of now but the greens were so firm Um, like I mean every shot that I hit was rolling out like 10 to 15 feet more than I was used to. Yeah. Just so super firm right now. So I'm hoping by April it will uh, soften up a little bit. Otherwise like having some long hybrids and stuff into those greens, is going to be definitely challenging. Um, But yeah, I mean also playing it when it's, cold and windy and wet like it's not also very fun so definitely you know, should be a lot nicer in april so that, that's your yeah. first mini goal is for is for us to see you out there in action uh, at the chevron and the woodlands for sure and then one other one i want to bring up for you my original hometown i grew up in the boston area if you do remember you remember any golf from your younger days they used to have a pga tour event at tpc boston i saw a tiger and phil duel there and tiger and vj back in the day and you guys the lpga are going to bring back an awesome event there uh, that labor day week um have you ever spent any time in boston you know anything about, about golf in the boston area at all uh, no, except for it's probably going to be beautiful and amazing because bent grass is just so much better than Bermuda hot cake. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if my, my Texan roots will be, agree to that, but I think 
playing on bent grass is just so much more fun. Um, and it, I'm sure at that time of the year, it'll be great weather too. So, but no, what event is that the PJ Tour used to play out there? Yeah, it used to be called the Deutsche Bank Championship and then it changed the Dell Technologies and then they started switching it back and forth between Boston and New York when they were just getting the playoffs going. And then they just fully eliminated the course a few years ago. So I'm super glad that you guys are stepping into that spot because the tournament used to be that exact same Labor Day holiday weekend every year. It was a perfect end oh, of the summer. Cool. So I'm excited to see you there. Yeah, that'll be really fun. And don't worry, I got the restaurant recommendations for you too when you get into town oh, there too. Oh yeah, I definitely can't wait for that. I'm a huge foodie, <laughs> so that will be great. <laughs> Love it. Again, it's Girling Core Golf. Um, K-A-U-R is how she spells her last name on Instagram. Check her out on the social. She's fun to follow there. And let's get into something fun that I saw on the Instagram feed. You had an awesome Miami trip for your birthday. Uh, tell me a little bit about it and, and who joined the party with you. Yeah. So my younger sister is a freshman at Baylor right now, and she won the Annika Invitational last year. And because of it, she was able to play in that Hilton Tournament of Champions, the one that the LPGA play in. Oh, so cool. Because she played in that and she actually ended up, ending, ended up winning like her division. They gave like Hilton gave her a week's worth of um, vacation. So and then it was me, my cousin, Jappel and Jessman. So they're both my cousins. And um, it was the four of us that went out there and we we're like, okay, like, where do we go that we can spend like six or seven days? Because I mean, everywhere else that like, so it was like a certain location that we could go to. A lot of them were like Colorado, uh, Virginia, a lot of like golfing places. And like my cousins don't play golf. So we were like, okay, I feel like Miami is going to be, you know, kind of neutral. There's going to be a lot to do. We can sit on the beach. And so I had planned this whole itinerary. I was like, we're going to go snorkeling. We're going to get scuba diving lessons. We're going to go surfing. We're going to do, we're going to spend the day on the beach. We're going to go to some, uh, we're going to drive down to Key West. I had planned it all out. The first four days, it rained nonstop. Of course. I was so upset (laughs) because like I hadn't made reservations for everything, you know, because I ended up like, you know, making it more of like a vacation for the first few days. And then my sister and I ended up actually playing um, a couple days afterwards too. And then I went up to Bradenton to um, play over there so I was like okay like a few days of vacation and then a few days of golf like it'll be a good combination I mean like the the one we played maybe two out of two out of three of the days that we wanted to and then we sat on the beach for one of the days and then mostly everything else was inside and I was like this is just so disappointing <laughs> but it did not rain on the day of my birthday which is the day I had booked like a boat for I saw that you kind of had your little influencer moment with the boat party on the on the water. What, what, yes. what was the highlight of that day? Oh my gosh, it was so much fun. It was sad because the high was like seventy that day. And as a Texan, you know, I'm like, you know, if I go out to Lake Travis or something, I'm like, okay, I'm not getting in the water unless it's like seventy, you know, degrees in the water or something. Right. You know, the water was like ice cold. But it was just fun because we like cut a cake and everything and. Um, we ended up like going to like a Mediterranean restaurant for dinner too, but like, it was like a nice way to like kind of end a couple of days because it had been raining for the first few, you know, I was just so disappointed from that. So it was nice to like have sunshine, stay on the beach. And it was like really like small too. It, it, and then one of my other friends joined us too. So, you know, we were like small group, but we made it really fun. All the, um, all the guys, like they jumped in the water, but we, uh, the girls kind of just sat around. We were like, nah, 
too cold to get in the water. <laughs> yeah, I think so, I might jump in for about two seconds and then get back out if it was that cold. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> awesome. Sounds like you got good dining in there. What was the the highlight at the Mediterranean restaurant, or was that the favorite restaurant of the week? Was there a better one or no? No, I went to this um, Italian restaurant the day after. It was called Forte de Marmi. I don't know if you've ever been to Miami, but it was the first time I had been to like a Michelin star restaurant and they were like booked out on the day of my birthday. So we ended up going the next day, but I wanted that one to be like my birthday dinner. Oh my God. It was the best meal I have ever had in my entire life. I had never been to a Michelin star restaurant because they don't really have one here in Houston. Like right. They have one, but it, it's like, it's kind of Michelin kind of not, but that one was like actually Michelin star. And like, I mean, it was like in like no words for it. And they had this at the very end, this like, like four foot ice cream tower that we could like, like, like scoop out of. And it was just like, and I don't really like pistachio either, but it was like just pistachio ice cream. And I felt like I was in Italy eating gelato. It was amazing. Four (laughs) foot ice cream tower. You sold me already. That's all I need to hear. It was so good. I mean, (laughs) And the the cap off to the Miami trip, which I got to ask about is you had the experience of going to the legendary live nightclub and you saw Zed, the EDM DJ who's been around forever. So much so that I saw him about a decade ago here in Austin for South by Southwest. And I saw him in Vegas as well, but I'm very curious what the experience was like going to live kind of one of of the most notorious nightclubs in the world, I'd say. It was fun. It was not what I was expecting because it wasn't so, so because that is more so um, EDM, but also kind of pop at the same time. Definitely. A lot of, yeah. So a lot of the songs I was like, Oh, I forgot Zed saying this. Oh, this is very pop. Like a lot of those songs. And I thought it was going to be more so like rave, but it was fun because like I knew a lot of the songs and like, um, I was able to still like enjoy it without being like, oh my God, like there's too many people, like it's so, cr-. you know, it's so crowded, but it was yeah. very fancy. Like I, I remember like only bringing air forces and then I was reading online that it was like, oh, all girls have to wear heels. I was like, this sucks. Um, I'm an <laughs> athlete. I don't wear heels, you know, like I'm trying to save my feet for the golf course. So having to wear heels that whole night was kind of unfortunate. But I mean, otherwise, it was a great experience. I've never been in anything like that fancy before. And I probably never will again. Um, it was just like a one time thing, you know. So but yeah, it was a good experience. And I, I really like liked his vibe. Like I felt like he was very energetic, like Zed was. So it like, you know, and like kept the people like sometimes the DJs get in like so much remix mode. I feel like, you know, that he kept it very like pop, pop and like pop edm remixes well put yeah i feel like he does a good job of making it just like a set list instead of like a crazy like barrage of remixes that get like too loud and intense you know what i mean yeah exactly (laughs) well put all right girling let's uh, end with some food questions we always end with food questions here with our guests on the course of life um so i'm gonna ask a tricky one for you we got about mm, probably five major cities if we're including waco where you went to school i want you to rank your top three texas food cities top three texas food cities <laughs> um houston first and then probably austin because austin for barbecue and um tex-mex and then waco only because i like dallas but i wouldn't consider dallas like a huge foodie city and then san antonio is just all tex-mex i feel like kind of in my opinion so i would say houston first because houston has so many places then austin and then waco 
Yeah, and I'm an Austinite here, and I will vouch for Austin's barbecue and Tex-Mex just like you did. But you're right. Houston is impressive with the variety. For people who haven't been to Houston, it's surprisingly awesome foodie city. So we'll put there. And, and you kind of got to the next question, which was, are, are you team barbecue or team tacos? Uh, well, I would say team tacos, but I do like barbecue. Like there were a lot of good barbecue places in Waco, but I would say I'm more so like Mexican food tacos more so. Okay, fair enough. Uh, a funny uh, video when the LPGA went viral last year when Lilia Vu, who just had the most awesome year ever, she she really went most viral for eating French fries in the middle of a round last year. So I'm curious if you were to get like a random mid round snack to just you know, fulfill your hunger, what what would you want it to be? Oh, that's hard. So like what I normally eat or anything? Anything. I mean, Lilia Vu certainly probably wasn't expecting to eat French fries that day, but she took them, she took them with the opportunity, right? Uh, I would say probably like, it would just make my day if I had like a slice of pizza and a Coke. Like, I think that would just like really make my day if I'm playing. And then I just had a slice of pizza. Uh, or maybe some ice cream too. I'm a big ice cream person. Mm, probably easier to eat on the course too. And then that segues perfectly to our, our 19th hole question, which we always end every interview with. So when you get in the clubhouse though, at, say you're at your favorite home course, maybe it's Carlton Woods. I've heard great things about the food in there, but um, what, what's your favorite meal and drink to order after you finished an 18 hole round or a long day practicing? Mm, I would say... I mean, so Carlton Woods has these really good, like, loaded nachos. But anywhere else, it would have to be, like, either a chicken quesadilla um, or, like, a grilled chicken sandwich. Because I feel like clubhouses do a really good job. And you can always guess, like, your how good the food is based on their fries, too. Like, if a clubhouse has good fries, that's how you know the food is really good. So I would go with sandwich if the fries are really good but or, or quesadilla. Yeah, the fries are a good barometer. Very well put. Gerline, thank you so much for hopping on, spending some time with us. Excited to follow you for the rookie season. Uh, first goal is we'll hopefully see you at the Chevron and more tournaments to follow, and, uh, and best of luck with the rookie year. Thank you so much, Alex. Course of Life podcast is brought to you by Zencaster. We've been using Zencaster here since almost the very beginning as how Alex and I record this podcast from hundreds of miles away. And it provides us with great quality audio that works every time. And it's something that makes Course of Life what it is and has kept us being able to make consistent episodes every week. And now it's super easy to record a podcast with Zencaster. You log in using your browser and start recording a high quality podcast right away. You record studio quality sound and up to 4K video with your guests. You feel a sense of Zen knowing Zencaster's multi layered backups ensure you always have your recordings in the highest quality, even if the connection is unstable. And have you ever wondered what you actually sound like? Zencaster's post-production process makes you sound buttery smooth. It automatically removes those ums and ahs in your recording. It removes those awkward pauses in conversation too. Set the right podcast loudness and levels while reducing background noise with the click of a button. Head on over to Zencaster.com pricing and use our promo code COURSEOFLIFE. 
to get 30% off your first month of any Zencaster paid plan. We want you to have the same easy experiences we do for all of your podcasting and content needs. Again, that's Zencaster.com slash pricing and our promo code course of life. Zencaster, it's time to share your story. And we're back. Great chat there with Gurleen. Man, it it sucks when you got vacations and and it just rains the whole time. That's just oh man, especially when it's a place like Miami. You know, you got the beach days lined up, the boat days lined up. It's you want to be dying out on the patio as the sun hits over the skyline. It's like there's so many Miami Beach vibes that you're missing out on there. But it sounds like she made the most of it. Even got to live in some awesome restaurants. So I appreciated uh, the recap there from. Gurleen. And again, watching for her name on leaderboards, I think she's going to make a splash, Mike. And I, I kind of noted this after the interview. I interview a lot of these pros who are up and coming, but she said something that not a lot of players say. She candidly said, I'm a great putter. You know, a lot of people are, are, are modest enough to just say, you know, putting's one of the stronger points in my game or I'm a good putter. She said, I'm a great putter. So, so watch out for Gurleen Core and her putter on the LPA, PGA this season. If you like that chat with the girlie plus everything else we do here on this podcast, make sure you punch that subscribe button. Give us a uh, thumbs up, four stars, a rating of your choice. Share with your friends. Let them know how much you love what you're listening to. Uh, it really helps us uh, feel good about ourselves, and we need to feel good about ourselves. It's a little while. positive reinforcement doesn't hurt anyone, especially since you're listening, enjoying, consuming a little bit of our content right now. We, we thank you for stopping by. Make sure you uh, follow us on Instagram and threads, COL Podcast, Course of Life, Alex, M-W-R-I-N-C. Alex is on X, formerly known as Twitter, Course of Life 1. We're on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, iHeartRadio, all those fun places. Wherever you're listening to us, you can do it there. And uh, check out our Instagram, Always End With Food, where you can check out cool shots of food that we take because we always like to talk food. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But first, let's uh, let's talk a little college basketball because a record was broken this weekend in the NCAA when Stanford coach Tara Vanderveer set the win record. It's going to keep going up this season. She has 1,203 wins in college basketball, more than Coach K. Uh, just incredible. Yeah, and I'm wondering, like, she's geez, we're, we're like Pat Summit and Gino Oriema sit on that list as well, too, because yeah. those are the titans of, of women's college basketball. So very cool, Mark. And just that number alone, just saying that out loud, that a coach has won over 1,200 games yeah. as a coach. You know, you only get 30-something, maybe 40-something if you're lucky in, in, mm-hmm. in a winter college basketball season. So you can do the math there, and it shows what, what a legacy Coach Vanderveer has built at Stanford. Yeah, it's just, it's incredible. It's incredible. And also at Stanford, of course, three national titles, 14 Final Fours, 25 Pac-12 regular season titles, and 34 trips to the big dance. So, for sure. I think she's she's a lifer. I mean, she's She's been around. She takes that team year in and year out to the tournament. One of those teams that, you know, yeah, they don't have the maybe the panache of like a UConn or or a Tennessee or now a South Carolina, but they're always in the mix. So, so shout out to her for being now the all-time winningest coach. Let's uh, stay in college and move over to the pigskin side because okay. I, I just want to ask, how do we feel about Alabama now that they're losing 
everybody, all the players are in the transfer portal. They lost their top quarterback recruit to Ohio. Uh, What is going on after Nick Saban's retirement? Is Alabama no longer a powerhouse? I like this. This is kind of like the Kirby Smart Georgia fan side of you that doesn't really exist, but you're you're playing it up nicely right now. It's like, this is what the Georgia Bulldog fan base sounds like. Uh, Yeah, Alabama, the sky's falling. Let's let's do that conversation. You know, and Saban's gone. They're losing recruits left and right. I think my Texas Longhorns here in Austin Got a couple of Alabama recruits. Mm-hmm. That that shows you where things stand right there. Uh, so they brought in Kalen DeBoer, the Washington coach, who led them to the playoff to replace him. Those are big shoes to fill, though. Those are those are some high standards in Tuscaloosa. So I'm, I'm not sure if he's going to be able to fill Saban's shoes in year one. You know, the other question that's been circulating, is this transfer portal bad for college sports? Because these guys can now just kind of change whatever they want at the end of every season. And it, it really has changed the game and the way it's played because these guys can just top off to another team at the end of a season if they're not happy anymore. Yeah, and it's now like a rare thing for a quarterback to be like, oh yeah, no, I'm I'm not going to the NFL. I'm not in the transfer portal. I'm actually just staying at the school I'm at and playing another year. Really, (laughs) really shocking, breaking news there. That hits the headlines on ESPN just as much as the transfers do. Uh, So it just goes to show you how easy it is for college athletes to move. And yeah, I, I honestly, candidly, it does take a little something away, mainly for me, just from a betting standpoint. It's like hard to figure out like who's on what team every year. This is like being an NBA fan, basically, yep. watching college football. You never know who went where when the season starts. It's just crazy. And then you never know if they're actually going to play in the NBA with all this load management crap that they're doing now. Seriously. So. Yeah. That's, Amen. A, that's another day. <laughs> uh, let's talk a little NFL. All I want to talk about the NFL as we roll our way toward the Super Bowl here is the Detroit Lions. Yeah, let's go ahead and give this is something I also I didn't have in my bingo card is us just stopping and giving flowers to the Detroit Lions halfway through the NFL playoffs and nobody else. I mean, because this is this is not going to be understated enough that the Detroit Lions had not won a playoff game in 32, three seasons, and now have won two back-to-back in seven days' time. Truly stunning. It's just incredible. I'm just <laughs> like, if the Detroit Lions don't win the Super Bowl now, I'm I'm going to, I don't know what I'm going to do. It's going to be a sad, sad, sad little bit. Do you remember, you know how sad I'm going to be? This is not how sad I'm going to be. But do you remember when the Giants beat the Patriots to end their, their undefeated no, run? No, I don't. Yeah, yeah well, I, I had a roommate in college who then didn't talk for months after that game because he was so depressed. I remember that roommate and he's a, he's a lifelong ally of mine yeah. just because of how diehard of a fan he yeah. was. <laughs> I might be that, even though I am, I'm not going to actually do this. I might be that upset. I might just come on the podcast and be silent for a couple of weeks. <laughs> It's insane. And you just think about that Lions franchise and how sad it has been. Remember, they, oh, they had the the unicorn of Barry Sanders, and he was yeah. just so just done with just losing on the Lions. He just retired early. Okay. And then they had the unicorn of Calvin Johnson at the wide receiver, yeah. maybe one of the greatest wide receivers of all time. He 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 lasted seven, eight years there, and he's just done with life in Detroit and retired can, early too. They've gotten can, nothing to go their way in the last few decades. Do, do you think they'll sign Deion Sanders to a one-day contract for the, for the Super Bowl if they get there just so that if they win, he can get a ring? <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> seriously. <laughs> awesome stuff. Freaking HCDC, head coach Dan Campbell. Not, not the guy I thought would be succeeding at this level, but like – 
pretty much three years to the day of his introductory press conference when he said he was going for kneecaps as the head coach of the Toronto uh, of the Detroit Lions. <laughs> Here he has them in the NFC Championship game. So yeah, thank you for just stopping and giving flowers to the freaking Detroit Lions who are in the yep. NFC Championship game. Timestamp that one. Wow. Crazy. All right, let's hashtag always end with food. Yep, food segment to end every Course of Life podcast. You heard them earlier. It's at always end with food on Instagram if you just want to check out our food pick musings. We try and keep all the food stuff over there because I know people don't want to get too over inundated with it. My, I had my tacos on a diet secret last week, Mike. Uh, now I'm going to run by my pizza on a diet for you. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, it's possible if you want to do those bland, horrible cauliflower crusts and those uh, fake cheese and no meat and all. And actually, I'm a big fan of vegetables on pizza in general, so I'm, I'm fine with a veggie pizza. But, you know, yeah, I, you I, have a, I have a friend who also actually said that a slice of pizza contains everything you need in a meal. It's got your bread. It's got your dairy. It's got your yeah. meat. and It's got your veggies. So, so that's big facts. Yeah. So you yeah. you got 75 percent of it. Uh, cauliflower crust, one of those things that you get used to it. And right now in the moment, I say, <laughs> yeah, it's not bad. I could kind of eat this regularly. And then what happens is you go back to a regular pizza crust and you immediately remember why you were eating pizza crust for the other 11 months of the year when you weren't eating <laughs> cauliflower crust. So that's where I'm at right now. It's red sauce. It's cheese. I don't do the vegan cheese. That stuff stinks. I'm sorry. It's the real cheese. Veggies only, no beef, no meat. Those are the rules for the pizza on a diet for me. And you could do like sliced chicken breast. There was yeah. actually there was a there was a place in my hometown in New Hampshire that did a, a personal pan pizza. They did it on a pita. And then uh, my mother always got it this way and I would start to get it this way. And then you get feta, chicken breast and broccoli. Oh, wow. Like kind of a, just, a little bit and, of a Greek vibe there. I like yeah, that. Yeah. And just a little bit of olive oils, uh, you know, on the base of it, just to give it a little bit of a little bit of something, something going on there. And uh, that was great. That was fantastic. Love it. Yeah. So that's my so, pizza on a diet plan. Uh, um, now we need to get to uh, the your saga from last <laughs> week. As people might remember in last week's podcast, you went super not not regular. Yeah. You went super viral. Amazing. So I think we said that on when we recorded the podcast, I was at you were at I one at, something when we recorded I was at a million. Week. It has plateaued at one point five million views. Absolutely insane. You were at like a hundred and forty, fifty something thousand, and I said, Oh, I think you'll double it by next yeah. week. <laughs> well, you you tenfolded it. And when you hit when you hit that one M. Mm. That's some rarefied air. I started blasting Little Wayne, a Millie classic track, um, and uh, so I'm guessing you got the place in the Hollywood Hills, and you've already got a couple golf trips planned for us. What kind of car are you getting now that you're you're a viral celebrity? Well, how's life uh, now? I'm I'm keeping, and you're gonna see it uh, at the PGA show. I'm gonna keep driving my 2012 Subaru Impreza with 120,000 miles on. Jesus! It. <laughs> so so life but after hey, viral, your life has not changed. It sounds like my life uh, has not changed at all. But hey, I am uh, much more open to selling my soul now that I've hit over a million views on a video on Instagram. So if someone wants to get me a car that I can then promote nonstop on my channel, I'm I'm more than willing to do that. 
As yeah, long I mean, as it's I think not, it's, as like long I said, as it's it, not a Tesla. I'm not doing a Tesla. I'm it sorry, starts with not. the baking companies, you know, to do the little inside baseball. We we, we got to start leaning on them on them right now. You, you're you're a mass content viral producer in the baking world, uh, so we're just going to send the screenshot and frame of that 1.5 m and nothing else in all of our emails <laughs> now moving forward. Um, that'll be our context. But um, life after viral, um, it, it looks like you know you're just you're recluded to a normal life now after your, your viral moment. Are, do, can, I, do you have a second hit in you is the real question that we're all asking. Well, I mean, we we uh, we took a video of uh, myself and, and Katie, the owner of the bakery, did a video of the Boston cream donuts that we did on Friday, which were spectacular. That looked awesome. Yeah. Um, and uh, that video has over 10,000 views. So not bad. I mean, that's still if if this was uh, two weeks ago and I had 10,000 views, I'd right. be very happy right now. But part of me is like, oh, only the 10, goalposts really. have moved for you tremendously now. <laughs> it, yeah. it really has. That's what's changed for me is that now I'm having videos that only get a couple thousand. And I'm like, ugh, what is this? This is a failure. It's it's that drug. It's that drug. Yeah. <laughs> And then uh, in, in case you didn't realize that I was human, I had a horrible day in my kitchen today as well. Mm. Horrible Sunday. Uh, as I said, we, I think you a were couple- starting the challenge. Remember, we talked yeah. about this challenge a couple weeks ago where you're, you're just kind of challenging yourself to new things that, that come across your, your pipeline. And, and yep. you were going for an eclair, right? Yeah, I was going for an eclair. I got a recipe from a peer at the bakery. Um, and I made a uh, on Saturday, I made a hazelnut pastry cream, which was spectacular. And so on Sunday morning, I made my eclairs. I made the patechou dough. I put it in the oven. It baked. It didn't spring as much as I hoped it would. I took it out of the oven, and they deflated faster than the Cowboys in the playoffs. Oh, dear. The rim shot joke as well, too. He'll be here all week. Try the veal, ladies and gentlemen. Wow. So complete failure on the players. Both pans came out atrocious. I I don't know what happened there. There are a lot of different things that could have happened. And then I was like, well, I have this pastry cream. I need to do something to save it. And I was really upset at myself as it was, and I made a – some pastry shells. Oh, you audible. Um, and I audible and tried to make some pastry shells and I followed the recipe exactly as I had it and I burned them. <laughs> so I was really pissed off at myself. Um, and then after dinner, I was like, I'm pissed off. I don't want to do this, but I'm going to try it one more time. And I have much better looking pastry shells now waiting for me to fill with the pastry cream and make a chocolate ganache to go on top of them. So something is still coming out of my kitchen today. The 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 moral of the story, Alex, don't give up. Yeah. Keep going through failure and don't get up. Make sure you have a pity party for yourself because that's what I did. And then pick yourself up and get back to work. I like that. Keep swinging. You hit a grand slam last week. You had a couple <laughs> strikeouts tonight. There'll be a base hit coming your way here soon. Yeah, right. Really, the best thing that could happen over the next week is that we're at the PGA show and we get uh, all these different sponsorship deals. We get free tickets to the Masters, the U.S. Yep, Open, exactly. PGA Championship, the U.S. Open, all that fun stuff happens. And we're, we're doing great. So oh, that, yeah. That's that's how I view the next week is going to happen. We're going to bounce back. We're like Jerry Seinfeld. Everything evens out for us. I love that. We're going places. We're doing stuff. And it starts this week at the PGA show. If you're just tuning in now and you're listening at or near the PGA show, be sure to subscribe right now to all of our OG listeners. Thanks again for listening to the course of life we'll see you next week